Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome into the Four Feathers Podcast. I am Johnny Donnie, joined tonight by Tony Marchese and Ron Luce. Guys, we've got a lot to talk about here in Season 3, Episode 6. It's the Kaladin Got Canned episode. Obviously, the huge news over the weekend. Um, guys, it's good to be here on a lighter note, on a little bit more uh, happy occasion. Spirits are higher in Blackhawks land. You guys agree with that? I think that's a fair assessment, Johnny. And as we're sitting here... An old crackum for sake of uh, it was time. It was time for Colleton to get canned. I, I still believe someday down the road he could be a good head coach, but just wrong place, wrong time. And um, it's better for this franchise if they're truly rebooting on everything that was because of you know everything that's happened. Um, he was a piece that had to go. So feeling good though, boys. It's good to be back on the mic talking hockey. Absolutely, guys. I'm just glad that we're here talking about something somewhat positive about the Blackhawks organization. That's hard to say these days, but, uh, you know, watching a Blackhawks win yesterday just felt a little bit different. I think it was a step in the right direction. I think that uh, there's a lot of changes that happened and for the better of the organization, they've taken at least one little step forward uh, in doing what they did by removing Jeremy Carlton. Uh, Ron, I know you just said that uh, you think he can be an effective head coach someday. I'm going to argue vehemently that uh, that's wrong at certain points during this episode. But uh, here nor there, he is no longer the head coach of the Blackhawks, and that's the focus of this. And uh, you hear me laughing. I'm smiling. <laughs> I'm happy. Um I'm glad we're done with that. Yeah, right, rightfully so, Tony. I, I am too. I think it felt like a dark cloud was like lifted. And I know that that's maybe not the best like terminology to, especially considering the even way darker, more, you know, serious clouds um, it, it, via the topics that we covered in our last show. But hey, on the day in, day out, you don't see the front office guys. You, you see the team on the ice, though. You see them at practice. You see them on the ice at the arena. You're going to games or you're just watching on TV. So uh, seeing those guys, um, especially Tony, you touched on briefly uh, the win on Sunday night. I was there in the building. Fans felt, felt, felt like a little bit, it was a little bit looser. You can tell the guys, uh, the, the guys on the ice, the players, um, they're just playing hockey. Looked like they were having more fun. Uh, and that was one of the uh, sort of, talking points of uh, the interim head coach now, Derek King. So uh, we'll get into him a little bit later. We're going to start with the uh, Jeremy Colladin stuff here because, guys, this is a time to really just air it out and say your last piece about, uh, you know, your grievances that you had with Jeremy Colladin, uh, what, why you think it was time uh, to move on, and uh, what we're going to see in improvement-wise, and that will obviously transition into Derek King here. So the details on this, uh, it happened Saturday afternoon, uh, interim uh, GM Kyle Davidson made the decision, uh, had the ba- backing from the Wurtzes at the top. Um, assistant coaches Thomas Mattel and Sheldon Brookbake also fired alongside Jeremy Cowden. Mark Crawford remains. Uh, and I guess this is one to- uh, topic that we can start here uh, before we get to King is that, you know, it's kind of some people may have been a little shocked that Crawford uh, didn't get the opportunity uh, to take over here, but um, it was Kyle Davidson that said they wanted kind of like an outside perspective and sure he was within the organization at the minor league level, but all those other guys were kind of in the uh, brain trust uh, of the previous regime. So uh, Crawford staying around, it'll help Derek King out, but I thought that was interesting. Um, Let's just start. Reem Jeremy Colladin. Let's go. Whoever wants to start, let's go for it. I'll let Ron go first. Sure, I'll go first. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I think what we we all discussed, right, is 
Uh, I saw a tweet, and I think this kind of encompasses how I feel about the situation perfectly, uh, from friend of the program, Tab Bamford, uh, over the weekend. And he noted on Friday night how, you know, the the team just looked defeated, and you could tell that Colleton had kind of lost the room. And then they come out Sunday and play a much better effort, you know. And, Johnny, you got to witness it in person. I'm sure that was a breath of fresh air live in person at the UC. I'll be there, actually, on Tuesday when this drops and is released to everybody against uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, and I'm kind of excited because it feels like, again, now just this like another weight is kind of lifted off the, the shoulders of like the fans kind of emotionally. How just brutal this all, you know season and offseason has been with everything going on. You know, it's finally like, OK, you know what? They're moving forward. They're getting rid of, you know, the things that have plagued us for the last few seasons as, as fans. And yeah, it was it was time to move on. Colleton had clearly lost the room. Uh, a guy that, let's be honest, you know, three or four years ago, whatever, never stood a chance um, and clearly showed he wasn't ready. And that's OK. You know, it, it was it was mismanagement by by Stan is, you know, sticking with him and thinking he could grow. Um, but at the end of the day, he's gone. It's a breath. Fresh air. Move on. And, you know, hopefully greener, greener grass on the other side of this thing, Johnny. I'm going to bring a little bit more fire here. <laughs> Than, than you did, Ron, because I think you you kind of just gave the uh, you know the the old Colleton you know kind of got set up for this one, but he did he did he got set up for this one uh, by his good pal Stan Bowman. But you know I think you know Johnny, we talk about storylines all the time, right? Like I I want shit to be poetic. Like when we win, I want shit to be poetic. He's cinematic and, too, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and cinematic. There, there's you know, you look at Derek King right now and you're like, okay, here's another guy that doesn't have NHL experience and there's blah, blah, blah. No, it, that doesn't fucking matter because it, in my opinion, when you go and replace Joel Quenville with Jeremy Palatin, you're going from, you know, a, a player's coach that is, what, what is the second all-time winningest coach in the NHL? And we can take all this other stuff away from it, but look at it from, I, I guess, the perspective that you had when you brought Joe Quinville in outside of his ramifications in, in the whole Kyle Beach incident. But you, you've got a guy that you're bringing in who's who's a known winner, right? And then you go to a question mark. You go to a guy that that looks like a puppet, legitimately a puppet, for Stan Bowman in these situations. And his big thing is, I'm going to preach this system. I don't think any of us have figured out what the fuck his system was the entire time he was here, but it was his buzzword in every single press conference about this system. And if we just play with the system, it's going to work. And I think, you know, some of the things that we saw over the course of Jeremy Carlton's you know, coaching career, like handing a whiteboard just a couple weeks ago to Alex to break it, to drop the power play. It, it really raises fucking questions as to what your system really was in the grand scheme of things. Cause if you've got this system that you're looking at your players to execute upon, you can't then go into the press conference at the end of the game and say, well, sometimes I don't have the best ideas, so I hand the whiteboard to Alex to bring it. There's cool and tough, and there's lame and weak. And I'm just going to call a spade a spade here and say that Jeremy Carlton was a lame and weak coach for the Blackhawks. He was inept. 
He did not make decisions. When he touches Patrick Kane's shoulder while he's on the bench, Patrick Kane shudders and says, I don't want to fucking talk to you because I don't agree with your message. I don't agree with your system. That's what we see as the fan. And if if we can take that in from TV or being in person, watching the team interact with some of the stuff. And I wrote an article uh, last night about how Derek, and we'll get into Derek King, but I wrote an article about how Jay Zawoski pulled a quote from Spittin' Chicklets where Duncan Keith talked about just letting the players play. Jeremy Carlton came into this trying to implement a system of, of what he thought was going to be the best approach to hockey. You don't do that when you have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves on the ice and Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook at the time when he walked into this thing and say, I'm going to change the way that you guys do this. Jeremy Carlton never had the locker room from the day he walked in because I don't think that anybody who was in that locker room at the time really wanted Joel Quinnville to be fired. Let's be real here. Jeremy Carlton never stood a chance unless you replace Joel Quinville with somebody who is more qualified than Joel Quinville. And it's really hard to fucking do that when you look at what's out there and available for the Blackhawks to go with a coaching change. Unless you tear the whole entire thing down and you remove those players who've had success and have already gone through their careers to a point where they've been successful three times and now all of a sudden somebody younger or your same age is going to tell you how to play hockey and how to show up and be a professional. That doesn't translate. It never will. Don't expect it to. That was the problem the whole time that nobody wanted to say. Jeremy Carlton wasn't a bad coach. He wasn't coaching the right team. That's okay to say. The right team for Jeremy Carlton to coach probably isn't at the NHL level. Never was. Might never will be. You go and you look at what we have now. You've got a guy that's just letting people do things. You're giving him a chance. I'm not saying that Jeremy Carlton couldn't have come in here and been successful. He just needed to have a very, very, very fucking different approach than what Jeremy Carlton had. And three years later, dragging down the system, you can make any excuse you want. You go try that in Edmonton with Connor McDavid at this point in time, not going to happen. You go try that in any other NHL franchise right now, and you you implement a guy that's trying to go change the system, Versus the approach, who's young, who hasn't been there, who hasn't done that. You don't develop a system before anybody else does. You develop the approach, and then you turn it into a system. That was Jeremy Carlton's problem from day fucking one. The system wasn't tried and true at the highest level of the sport. So you can't say that your system was going to work when when guys who are champions can't play underneath it. That, to me, is just fake bullshit. Go fuck yourself. You were never meant to be the coach of an NHL franchise. I'm sorry. That's just end of the day. Go go figure out how to attack the approach first. Then you develop your system based on your approach. And I see the exact opposite happening under Derek King in literally 48 hours. <laughs> I love it, Tony. See, that's a fire that I was looking for here. Uh, you, you covered a lot of like a wide ranging points. So I'll just go kind of specific. Then you watch Friday night's game. I was all excited Friday night. It's like, oh, it's like, you know, it's the weekend. I'm gonna drink a bunch of beers and watch the game. And hopefully, you know, they can bounce back, build on a win for Monday. And no, 
Um, you know, they played an okay game to start on Wednesday, too. So you're like, okay, maybe they have some things to pick up on there. Um, they were totally checked out, and that wasn't the first time this year. Not the first time over the course of Jeremy Colladin's uh, tenure uh, as Blackhawks head coach. Uh, but it, it was just extremely evident. Like, those guys, like, they wouldn't even bother to fucking throw a shot on goal. Um, they, they weren't even working hard enough to get in those areas just because they rejected uh, what was coming from the top so much. Uh, Tony, you brought up a point about Patrick Kane uh, looking annoyed and, uh, you know, dismissive when Jeremy Colladin taps him on the shoulder. I saw that specifically on Friday night in Winnipeg. So uh, it was time, and I'm so glad that Kyle Davidson uh, just stepped up and did it because um, I had honestly thought with the way things were going to start and that they hadn't done it yet, then it might still linger on a little bit longer and shit like worst case scenario would have gotten the whole season. And they just started in the off season, especially since they have so much building to do from a hockey op standpoint um, after the fallout there. So I, I'm th- props to Kyle Davidson, I guess is uh, where, where I'm going with this uh, for pulling the trigger there. Uh, and it was just evident. You, you did, like you said, we can sit there, watch it when we're in the arena, watch it when we're just watching on TV um, and, tell that there's like an issue and, you know, hearing what players say in post-game press conferences and they're uh, basically just blanket PR statements at that point, um, then you you know there's there's a problem and it was all coming from the top. And uh, Jeremy Calden was the one heading that up. So uh, adios, glad he's gone. And uh, that's, you know, a chapter in Blackhawks history. Uh, I know there's has been uh, kind of a lot of things been tainted here, uh, but just from strictly on ice uh, terms here, uh, it was a rough, uh, you know, whole tumultuous sort of ordeal uh, that Jeremy Caledon presided over. Um, adios. And like you said, um, team to coach for him, probably, I would guess, European League. Where's he going back to? No, I don't know. Maybe he'll get an AHL job or an assistant job somewhere. Who knows uh, what the future now, has it, in store it, for him. But would, would, would it be so surprising like if Stan Bowen were still here? Right, like throw everything else aside. Would it be so surprising to see him like pop back up as the Rockford Ice Hogs coach? No, you can't go back. Even <laughs> even then, back. you know, you can't go back. But you know, just, just to your point about the uh, his guy sort of thing, um, and we heard those rumors. You know, uh, Ron, you wrote an article about it for ondebsportsnet.com just a few weeks ago, and that was before obviously the investigation findings were made public. But it was that the report was that Jeremy Colladin was not on the hot seat because he was Stan Bowman's guy. He's committed to him. So, um, yeah, glad that's done. Thank you, Kyle Davidson. Uh, I think all Blackhawks fans um, who were, you know, uh, very happy with Kyle Davidson's decision to move on there. Um, let's talk about the new guy. Um, I, I think we Kyle points may pop back up here and there, uh, especially when we're comparing and contrasting some of these guys. But the new guy, Derek King, uh, he was uh, the Ice Hogs head coach. Um, he is now interim tag, uh, which was, you know, difference from what they did with Kyle. they made Kyle the head coach and installed him right after when they brought him in. Derek King is the interim coach. Uh, Recent reports uh, that he actually, the team said that he's going to get the season. So um, who knows? I would guess they're still already, you know, they'd be dumb if they didn't already start searching. They'd be dumb if they didn't start searching after the, oh, like four and one start. Um, But right now it's Derek King in there. Early returns are good. Uh, Tony, I'll let you elaborate on what you wrote on there more system versus approach. Cause I really like that section of your article, but Hey, he's one Oh no, he's perfect. He won his first game. Uh, It was a really cool moment in the locker room afterward, that video, when he was talking about just fun to watch. Uh, I feel like he's grateful to be there. And uh, obviously he's got to, you know, mesh with these guys. So for the time being, let him play. And I love that. It resulted in a win. And I was there. I had to take it and enjoy it all on Sunday night. So thoughts on Derek King here. Yeah. I mean, first off, all I've got to say is like, I, 
I I never followed Derek King before any of this. Like I'm I, I'm sure that like a lot of people who are going to listen to this like had no idea who Derek King was until he was named the Blackhawks head coach. I don't think that that was the popular name. Um, I think that there's some like sort of synergies between like okay you bring up Carlton now you bring up King it looks like a pipeline. There's some you know promote from within type stuff going on here. So you can question that in the organization and say, like, why didn't you go out and like bring in somebody who's going to get the best out of this roster? Now, I think that's not really a fair shake to Derek King, at least from what we've seen so far. Like, I didn't know that Derek King had a fucking killer mullet until about 24 hours ago when he played in the NHL. I didn't know he looked cooler and tougher than Jeremy Carlton when he played for the Islanders. Those are good things. I think that that, you know, relates to hockey culture. And, you know, we, we saw the tweet that came out from four feathers earlier. Jeremy Carlton looked like a nerd in his rookie, rookie, you know, uh, hockey card. And, and you look at Derek King and it looks like a monster. Those are good things for the hockey team. We're just looking at outside perspective here. Um, you know, you want a guy who's cool and tough. You want a guy that's going to command the room. You want a guy that that's a hockey guy. And you look at Derek King and so far, he goes, he speaks, he speaks a different message than what you get out of Jeremy Carlton, which is system, system, system. And then you get a guy that's out there that's like, listen, hockey's a hockey's a fun game. You just got to go out there and play natural. I'm going to ask you guys this. When we're playing, like when you're a kid and you're playing street hockey, or if you're just somebody out there trying to like, go play pickup hockey, are you more relaxed when you're just out there and there's no fucking coach yelling at you? And telling you what to do. I look at Joel Quenville's time here. And it wasn't really like. He didn't make. Plays or designs or anything. It was more or less like. How do I get the right guys on the ice. At the same time. Jeremy Colleton tried to control. Literally everything that happened on the ice. Derek King just literally. Threw a bunch of guys out there. And said have fucking fun. And use the talent of the roster. To go get the job done for a night. Now, I don't think that that's going to equate to, you know, long-term success. There's still a lot of questions, right? There's still a lot of questions with the roster, but you just see how guys lighten up a little bit, how space opens up on the ice when there's not somebody preaching the system down your throat and then going and throwing it to the media after you go and lose and saying, like, well, the guys aren't playing to my system. This is a brush of fresh air into the organization, because you now have a guy that doesn't really give a shit about where you're actually positioned or where you're supposed to pass the puck to next. Let those guys do what they need to do to get the job done and rely on that as other coaches in the NHL have and seen success with. I think that that goes back to some of the approach things, but overall, I don't know if Derek King's going to be, the long-term coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. I have no idea. All I know, it's that's a really easy story to get behind because it's a polar opposite of what we've seen now for a couple of years. And you hear the guy just get into that post-game press conference yesterday and say, I can't take my mask off because I'm smiling too much. I'm happy. Let's be honest, guys. When's the last time you were smiling about the Blackhawks in a long time? And to see somebody that's that happy about something that happened in this organization, that is so easy to get behind right now. 
I think that that's important as a Blackhawks fan. I think that that can go a long way. Ron, I'll turn it to you. Yeah, and kind of adding on to that, I mean, I think you put it perfectly right. Like, none of us know how long Derek King's going to be the head coach. It's probably just going to be this season. Let's be entirely honest with ourselves here. But it is just kind of that, hey, let the talent of the roster show itself right now because this this team is fairly talented. I think Kyle Davidson sees that. And a big kudos, I think, too, to Danny Wirtz for allowing Kyle Davidson to actually act like a GM, even though he has the interim tag. I think that's something, too, here. You know, he's not just the fill-in for the rest of the year. They're like, hey, this is your shot. Show us, you know, why you should get the job going forward, which I don't think they will. I think they're totally just trying to disassociate from that last front office. But it's a good tryout for a guy like Davidson. Now, you know, maybe he lands another job as an assistant GM somewhere because of it. But going back to Derek King, again, just a guy that, you know, like you said, he he's grateful to be here. He clearly has seen a little bit of this talent because he's been in the AHL. He was on Colleton's staff as an assistant as well, and then took over in Rockford when Colleton was uh, moved up. You know, he's 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 been around for a little bit now to to know the Canes and the Taves and those guys of the world and just seeing them have fun and, and play to their strengths is great. Johnny, you mentioned it when we, the three of us were conversing on that goal that Hagel scored. Seth Jones got to use some creativity and hockey knowledge to bank that puck deliberately off the boards for that rebound to come out for Hagel to tuck it in right at the front of the net. That's something that in the system as yeah. you said perfectly, it wouldn't have happened. Just and a it, beautiful shot pass. Not beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And it's, yeah. but it's, but it's refreshing too, right? Because now, you know, Johnny, you, you sat here and you've told all of our loyal listeners how much you just are terrified and, and maybe Knight's disgusted with that Seth Jones contract when he's doing shit like that, it makes it feel a little better. Like it, it makes some of these guys' worth now feel better. Maybe when Tyler Johnson comes back, he doesn't feel like this five and a half million dollar, just dead weight sitting on the roster right now you know maybe Tave starts to look a, a little better at least on the score sheet he's played pretty well all things considered but maybe those numbers come up a little more maybe Kane goes on a crazy run and we see more of the Patrick Kane games like we saw in their first win against Ottawa if these guys are playing looser that's just going to help the talent on this roster this is a talented roster it's the most talented roster they've probably had since that team that got swept in the playoffs by the Nashville Predators and it's arguably maybe a little deeper than that team was. I think the depth is a little better on this team than it was on that team. So that just goes to show that, you know, now these guys can just use the talent. They can kind of audition, hey, this is the team we have on the ice and how they can play if they're put with the right coach. And then going forward now, you can say, hey, to the new president of hockey operations, this is what you have to work with right now. To the next general manager, hey, this is what you have to work I with right that now. I think that that's the most unsettling thing right here with it, Ron, is while you have the opportunity to just play loose, there's question marks, right? So if you're Kyle Davidson, you're auditioning for that interim tag to be off. If you're Derek King, you're auditioning for that interim tag to be off. And you talk about a team that's maybe deeper than 2016. Like if, if you came into this season – and I'll ask both of you guys this. If you came into the season and said, like, this is an audition for your head coach, your GM, and all this other stuff, and you've got this roster, is that where you want to be right now? That's kind of the question. 
no, but also the House of Cards absolutely tumbled, and I don't know if anybody foresaw that. So no, nobody, no, the, nobody foresaw the, that. So I think that the, I, I guess what I'm getting is there's an argument to be made that you should have like brought in Torts or somebody that's fuck at no. Least, at Do least not bring up John Tortorella on here. That's I only wanted to piss hire. off on. No, well, I'm, I'm glad Johnny also agreed with that sentiment. But, but oh again, yeah, I yeah, think... we 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 just got off of a coach no, that was too uh, you know intrusive to guys. Let's bring in the guy that's even more so. Fuck that. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree with that. But again, it, it I think what now you're going to see is maybe this team does go on a little bit of a run. Do I think they make the playoffs? I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves. Probably not. That abysmal start alone started setting up the grave for this 2021-22 team, but maybe they put together at least a little bit of a better hockey down the stretch. They play the way that this roster should that way. Like we, you know, like I said, kind of for that, whatever that next wave is, whether it's Kyle Davidson and Derek King or somebody else, but at least you kind of have a framework of saying, okay, with the right fit of a coach, maybe again, maybe it is Derek King. We'll, we'll, we'll get the full season to figure that out. Right. Maybe all of a sudden now, you're going into that next regime and, and everybody feels a little better about the team. And then it's like, Oh, you know what? They got good pieces here. You know, we'll tweak here. We'll tweak there. We'll tweak there. And maybe this team is as good as we thought it was on paper coming into the season. We all had optimism when we were sitting on here talking amongst ourselves over the course of the summer. I know obviously we were very consumed with baseball. You guys obviously on the South side, myself on the North side, but you know, even then we were still talking hockey. Oh, Hey, four feathers is going to be great this year. And we haven't had that yet. So just to see them come out, and win, especially for Derek King's debut, was just so fitting and it felt good. And I'm really hoping they keep that up tomorrow against a pretty good Pittsburgh Penguins team because I will be in the building and I will be a little sour if Johnny got to see the second one of the season. And I didn't mm-hmm. get to see a win. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I'll go, go on Derek King. We'll, we'll get into some on ice stuff because uh, we will discuss games uh, of past and then uh, just a couple coming up here. But uh, my thoughts here on uh, Derek King. Real quick, um, you, you guys hit on a bunch of stuff about, you know, players playing loose and, you know, we didn't present a lot of X's and O's. You can't do that when you're just tired on Saturday. You got to play Sunday. I know that. So we'll get a little bit more feel for, you know, how, you know, he actually does decide to handle some of that stuff as we move forward and have a bigger sample size. But uh, just from a personality standpoint, that's part of what you look at, too. Right, Tony? You talk about cool and tough, lame and weak. Um, well, beyond that, with, with uh, Derek King, he's a personable guy. He's someone that you can talk to. Hey, he said he that he uh, they asked him if he got to like, you know, soak it in last night. And he said, uh, I passed out. I, I had a cold drink and then I passed out. That's what he said. So like, that's like the kind of stuff. And you're like, OK, like this guy, like I could relate to him. Like, I, you know, I totally get that. We've all been there and done that. Uh, but it's not just that. It, it's like, you know, think about how you come in and approach that. And I understand it because of the uh, changes that were made sweeping uh, across the coaching staff there. Uh, you can't really go in and harp too much when you got a game to prepare for uh, that night. So you just do. That's basically your only option to let the guys play. Uh, hey, it worked out. Uh, and then B, it shows that uh, those guys, they looked appreciative of him in the locker room. Uh, they look like they wanted to get the win for him. Uh, you know, kid Brinkett went and got the puck right after he scored in overtime, went and made sure to get it so he could get it to Derek King. There's already like a, you know, respect there. And I'm sure, you know, he, he knows the, I would guess more so the younger guys on the roster, right? From coming up through Rockford, multiple guys there. But at the same time, you get veterans like that. You know, Patrick Kane talking in the uh, uh, locker room after the game when he's giving away the belt and he's, you know, just, you know, saying nothing but positive words about Derek King. And I know it's all just one game there that we're talking about, but 
would they really speak that endearingly of Jeremy Colladin? No, because Jeremy Colladin was a robot. You probably wouldn't even smile if you gave him a compliment. I mean, like, it's just it's you know it's so crazy to me that everybody's making these Walter White you know comparisons to Derek King, and yet like I can imagine Jeremy Colton playing Dexter in, in during this season. Like, there's just it, it's two totally different personalities. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's kind of kind of what I'm driving at here. It's uh, you know, sometimes you don't you don't have to be as you know, and I understand that it was Jeremy Collins' thing, and I think Ben Pope wrote something about it about you know self belief, and that's why he always preached system, system, system because he believed eventually he was going to get it done. Um, well, it, it never did. He never adapted. Whereas Derek King seemed very adaptable too. That's and he's going to have to be when you're taking over as an interim position and you're in the midst of a season already. You're going to have to be adaptable. So. I think to Ron's point, that's going to help players maybe go on a little run here. Maybe you get guys back and they start having a little more swagger to their game. They just have fun with it too. That's the biggest thing. Uh, Sunday night was a lot of fun. They, they, they and they responded too uh, in the play. I mean, Nashville started off with uh, a decent chunk of possession, but as soon as the Hawks settled into the game, they skated well. Uh, there was no major lapses, like you know, a period of time where they're letting up. Uh, you know, a million Corsi events and 17 high danger scoring chances in one period. You didn't see that. Sure, there were times. There's always going to be breaks in a hockey game. Sometimes it's puck luck, but it, it just seemed like there is a level of uh, freedom to be able to skate and make the plays and not be uh, an inch outside of Jeremy Collins' system there. So uh, th- th- those are my just initial thoughts here on Derek King. Um, but, you know, hey, I, I like it. He's one of us too. Obviously, the Crackham crew, I brought up that quote. That was pretty cool. That's a good introduction. We got to break out for the first time the Victory Beers edit. Um, I was driving home last night, so I didn't post it after. But hopefully, we're posting that one much more frequently moving forward here. Um, and we know Derek King can appreciate that too. So I like that part of it. Yeah, you bring up you bring up the personable point, man. And I I can get that. I think that you know if I draw some comparison or comparisons between the two, Derek King is trying to learn his team. Jeremy Carlton came in to try and tell his team how to play. At least that's the difference that I get here. And that gives that alone gives me some hope for how the rest of this season is going to go. We talked a lot about like, how do you watch the Blackhawks for the rest of the year? I think this is a very easy guy to get behind. He might not be the one pulling the strings, but even if he's just sitting back there cracking him just like the rest of us and letting Patrick Kane do his thing, I'll root for that any day of the week. Go ahead, Derek King. Have a few cold ones. Pass out. Yeah. I will too. You bring up a point there about, you know, we, we had talked about that on previous episodes. How do you watch the Blackhawks after this? Um, and obviously we were in under different circumstances there. But, hey, even with the record still where it is, and maybe if you're not as, you know, kind of hardcore, and I know there's a bunch of other sports going on and just about to start here um, in all across uh, basketball, football, um, you know, what have you, um, just to see. A, how guys responded to Derek King and how he handles himself, too, uh, for these next few, um, at least, you know, as you're still getting to know him. Uh, I think that's a reason enough alone, at least for me, uh, to go and watch. It was, hey, fun, great, it was fun as hell. Great, great fun as hell Sunday night, so, yeah. Great, for, great first impressions go a long way. I don't think that Jeremy Cotton's first impression was very good. Let's be honest. Derek King's a lot more well-received. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, to just kind of add on to that point that you guys brought up, it also, again, I think guys have just that sense of relief, right? 
like it's new, right? I think everybody in this Blackhawks franchise and the fan base needs new after everything that's transpired over the course of the last six to eight months. So yeah, new feels good. And Derek King brings that new feel. Sure. Yeah. He was in the organization, but like you guys said, he's learning his team. You know, he's learning these guys that he's coaching because he hasn't worked that extensively with them. Um, you know, other than some of the guys that played for him down in Rockford over the last, you know, season, you know, few seasons there. So it's, it's nice to see the guys. Most of those guys away. Not all of them, but, but yes, most of them. But again, it feels good seeing, you know, them be able to rally around King in game one, play a really good game against, let's be honest, still a pretty good Predators team. Let's not discredit what Nashville is as a team. We all hate them. They're the Trashville, you know, mustard cats, like we always call them. But again, it's refreshing to see them step up in a game like that. And I'm, I'm very excited to see again, what they can do tomorrow under King in a very good instance where, you know, you're playing a really good team in the Pittsburgh Penguins. How do you step up? Hopefully they continue to rally because if they keep that energy going, they're at least at minimum at the bare bones of it going to be fun to watch. And at least a somewhat of a reason to go to the United center, as you guys mentioned, how do we continue to root for this team and actually get excited based on their first, you know, their first 10 games of the season. I'll share a few last for uh, first impressions of uh, uh, Derek King here. Cause I just thought of him uh, just as we, the conversation moved along here. Uh, a, I love that he will run line rushes in morning skate. That was a breath of fresh air. Jeremy Collin didn't fucking do that. Was he thinking like he was playing some gamesmanship master chess 4d thing? Uh, no, get the hell out of here. Give me the line rushes. So I don't have to go off a projection from daily face off. Thank you, Derek King. I love you for that already. Uh, <laughs> one in, hopefully they continue that. I know that may have been a circumstance of, Oh, he's just getting in there. That's basically his first practice before, uh, you know, he get and hit the ice for an actual game, but uh, I would imagine uh, that would continue here. So uh, we'll, we'll uh, keep an eye on that. Um, and then other than that, I mean, I said, the guy's just personable. Uh, that's huge. That's huge for me. And he gives you good post-game cre- press conference quotes. I know it's always going to be a big one for the first one. There's a lot of emotion charged into that one, but he feels like a guy that he'll give you something that you could write a story about. We could talk about it on a podcast here. Whereas how many times can we just say Jeremy Collins system sucks here? Not have anything else to go off. Of. <laughs> right? Jesus Christ. That's what I feel like every single time Jeremy Collins spoke, it was, man, I'm, 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 I'm having a hard time saying this. It was like, it was like, the nerd in high school that was trying to like run something right. Like there's just, he just had that sense about him that it just felt like he knew better than you. And it goes down to, and I'm trying to back this up with some factual shit. Like Ron, we were just talking about this the other day. It's like, he's not even using the starter crease correctly. So it just felt like he, it, it almost felt like he, thought that he was smarter than you, but the, 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 the success was never there. And Johnny, you go to like the 4d gamesmanship stuff. It's like, no, like there's certain things that yeah. you can do along the way. And it's like, I, I just wonder if Jeremy Carlton's sitting in bed at night. He's like, all right, this is how we're going to win tomorrow. I'm going to throw Mark Andre Fleury in the starter crease. And then I'm going to start Kevin Lincoln in. And no one in the media is going to know. And that's how we're going to change this shit. And I'm smarter than everyone. I'm sorry. That's how it felt like when, when and then, and then he gets to the post game. He's like, well, nobody followed my system. Yeah. 
I, I wish I would have thought about this, like thought of this moniker earlier, because usually I can get some, you know, pretty quick witted stuff uh, for our, you know, four feathers meme content and some podcast sticks. But uh, in, in summary, what I gathered from what you just said there, Tony, this is what sparked it. Jeremy Colladin was a condescending robot, condescending, inefficient robot. Kind of like I'm not like I'm not gonna sit here and say like Robot from his personality side and then condescending where you said he felt like he knew better than the condescending right. yeah you no know, he was the the fact is like the cards were still stacked against him like there was really no winning coming in here trying to replace Joel Quindle at the time of a team that was on the heels of you know what we're gonna argue the rest of our lives whether or not it was a dynasty. When you come in and you try and replace that, I think that like part of it was like he wasn't personable. You see him sitting there all buttoned up. There's just sometimes you look at somebody and you're like, this guy just doesn't fit the mold. I don't know what it is, but that's how I felt with Jeremy Carlton. Like you don't fit the mold as coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. You just don't. I, I don't know how to explain it farther than that. Like you, the Jeremy Carlton never fit the mold of Chicago Blackhawks coach. Square peg round hole. Do you guys agree or disagree? Like no, I'm, I'm looking at it. No, like, no, Tony, you, you summed up. Well, I think that's a good, like kind of like summary of like a, a, a lot of points that we made here. And that's just kind of like the bottom line conclusion, whereas we gave all the bullet points in the middle there. Uh, but yeah, it, it absolutely didn't. And that's like, you know, sometimes you can just go by a feel thing. And that's some, what we have to do here is we're not in the building with them every single day or like anything like that. Um, but just, you know, you, you can still get an aura of it. And we had plenty of sample size to do it. I mean, multiple seasons of this guy. Uh, and it just never changed. And it never got to a point to where people like turned and like got in his favor maybe some people had a longer leash at the beginning to give him a chance or whatever um i know ron it was in that camp at least and you know you still had to you know let the, the dust settle at least a little bit but it just never grew to that point to where uh you felt like he was you know meant to be here and sometimes I, it's not meant to be it's not meant to be can i can i throw an analogy out there yeah, with go Jeremy Colleton. Like Colleton comes over from Europe. That was most of his you know, experience before the AHL gig. And he wasn't in the AHL long, a year and literally some change before he was promoted to NHL head coach. Does it not feel like Mark Trustman with the Chicago Bears? Like it's kind of that feel like he came from the CFL. There's this mystery behind him. And he, it fell on its face. And it kind of feels like that was the that's a good one, Ron. especially when you're talking like, system yeah. is offensive system right. supposed to be. So yeah. Right. Like whereas Colleton, so, I like, think it's probably more of wow. like a defensive structure, but yeah. Right. I, implore but exactly. you to, I, I actually implore you to write that article, Ron. I'm going to challenge you to write that article. I, yeah. I actually think that you're like dead on. It's interesting. Yeah, you, because, you know more about the Trustman stuff than we do, but I, well, I think that's overall a good analogy. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the partially for that, the reason for that too is like, is because the CFL is this different style of play, very much like European hockey versus North American hockey. European is more open, there's more space. You can be a little more fancy and, and man to man because you have more ice to cover. Speed isn't as much of a factor in the European game. Where in the NHL game, it absolutely is a factor. Look at Connor McDavid and that crazy ass goal he just scored the other night, where he weaved, you know, weaved through four defenders and the magically whole Rangers organization. Excuse me. Yes, yes. <laughs> excuse me. Yes, the entire Ranger, even the Hartford Wolfpack or whatever yeah. their AHL team felt that yeah, goal. All of them. Yeah. But but that's the point, right? It's like it's such a different style of game that 
you know, I implore the idea of like doing something different and will it work? Cause we've seen that happen over the course of history in every sport. You see something work that turns the tide, you know, at that, you know, the top level, whether it's something that's come organically from lower levels, i.e. like college football to the NFL, you know, or if it's just something that's kind of out of the ordinary or whatever, you know, the hot trend is type thing in terms of coaching style and play style. It really feels like that was the square peg in the round hole with Colleton was trying to bring that European style that it did kind of work in the AHL because the AHL speed is also very different than the NHL. So it, it feels like it could work in the AHL. I mean, Rockford went to the playoffs and they upset the number one seed Wolves in Colleton's only full season in Rockford. But at the NHL level, when these guys are so fast, like you can't, you can't have no offense to anybody, but you can't have one of the Blackhawks defensemen trying to cover you know, a Connor McDavid one-on-one in a man scheme. Are you kidding me? He's going to run circles around them. Hell, he'll run whatever fucking shape he decides he wants to run because he can. You know, like, it it, it really feels like that was the situation with Colleton. And, and it, it is kind of nice now where Derek King comes in, and he's like, you know what, we're just going to let the talent play. And for sake of this season, that feels like the right move to make right now, where it's a lot of new guys. They're still trying to learn each other. Trying to add on the pressure of learning a whole system it doesn't may help them either. Let them just play. Let them use their talents. They'll figure it out and conform to some system that works for this team, at least for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up at the end, Ron, because I don't want people listening to this, like especially if you're, you know, uh, you're sitting there, and we're not saying that a team shouldn't have a system that should just be free-flowing all the time. No, not saying that. They'll, they'll eventually grow into that under Derek King, but obviously just time was of the essence uh, with Sunday when we're talking about this, you know, just let the boys play essentially um, for that. That. Like you said, it will grow in, but the best beautiful thing about this, like you said, we brought it up before, Derek King is still learning his team, so he will mold it to them instead of, like I said, square peg round hole with the other thing, trying to just jam everybody that was already there into Jeremy Collins' vision for whatever uh, he thought was going to happen if they executed his system. So that's the point that we were driving at there. Um, uh, final thoughts here on King, Collin, anything there? Because then we'll get some game action, boys. I don't have anything else uh, on the on the Derek King situation. Although I will say one last thing, I thought that what he did in the press conference during the game, his time on the bench, that is King shit. And I hope he continues to deliver King shit throughout the rest of this 2021-2022 campaign, Johnny. I like MVP shit. Yeah. I think there's only one thing that can top MVP shit. It's King shit. Yeah. So keep yeah. bringing it there, King. Yeah. Keep cracking them. And I hope that he has as many cold beverages as we do. Yeah. Victory beers, baby. Victory beers pass out at the end of the night. Yeah. Maybe he listens to levels before he falls asleep. John. Yeah. Maybe. He's maybe got that. He, he had that mullet. You know, he was rocking it. He knows how to have a good time. Yeah. A couple I, cold beers, a oh, couple crackums. And see, that's the relatable thing that, mm-hmm. that you brought up earlier. Yeah. Could you imagine yourself having a having a beer with Jeremy Carlton? Last question I'll leave you guys with. Have a beer with Jeremy Carlton or have a beer with Derek King? Who are you picking? Well, I'll have a beer with Derek King because he wouldn't be afraid to split a 30-rack of Bush Light with me, whereas Jeremy Collin would be ordering the fanciest bullshit fucking IPA on the menu. And if it's not as many IBUs as he wants, then it'd be, uh, you know, uh, you know, it didn't fit the system of his taste buds. So, Unreal. Derek King. Yeah, Derek King as well. I think just to talk about that mullet, 
uh, that he was rolling around with when playing for the Islanders back in his NHL days is a good enough reason for me to to have a, a cup of two tree uh, with the old Derek King. Yeah, uh, absolutely, Ron. And uh, Tony, while we're on King shit here, close this section out of it. Um, be on the lookout, uh, listeners, at Four Feathers Pod, uh, Twitter and Instagram. We'll share any edits, any King shit that comes up uh, through there. Hopefully a lot more wins because that'll lead to a lot more King shit. Uh, but Tony, uh, last thing on that, I think we may have to commission an edit uh, with a crown on top of that glorious mullet from that throwback picture of Derek King. I'll see what I can do. Yeah. in the morning i think we got a guy for that we got a guy for that just uh let me know that uh in uh, in writing so that i remember yeah, yeah. so uh, be on the lookout for that at four feathers pod on twitter and instagram all right gentlemen let's move on to a few on ice uh things here obviously i'd kind of talked about the winnipeg game we don't need to rehash that that was basically the uh last straw we'll just call it that that's what it was they didn't respond at all uh you could tell colin had fully lost the room okay that was 5-1 loss i'm um, just get the result out there um after that Nashville, 2-1 overtime win. A couple observations since I was there. Brandon Hagel, very, very sneaky, sir. Um, that, that guy is excellent at taking the puck away, lifting some sticks, uh, set up Jonathan Taves early on in that one um, right at the end that I was at. So that was good to see. Um, and then you also have uh, the OT winner, obviously, like we talked about. That was a cool uh, sort of, um, you know, obviously, elation for the fans uh, because I was at an overtime loss earlier in the year against the Leafs. Um, but, you know, then, like I said, to bring it, picking up the puck, uh, it was a really cool moment. Um, fans lingered around a little bit longer, wanted to hear the three stars, wanted to kind of, you know, be part of the atmosphere. So that was a cool experience. But then the other one, we had brought it up earlier, but that Seth Jones shot pass. On the broadcast, if you were watching, uh, they were kind of debating just from the side view where Pat and Eddie were sitting. At first, they didn't know if Jones had uh, just missed or if he shot it intentionally. I was sitting at the opposite end of the ice, um, had a straight, you know, I had Seth Jones's view from bird's eye level. Um, up in the 300 level, and he that was 100% intentional, walked a little bit, looked at the traffic where it was going, saw that Hagel was about to go in circle towards the net, boom, throws that thing off the boards, and that's A, another thing too, Seth Jones getting comfortable with the nooks and crannies of the UC, um, and he banked that thing off perfectly, Brandon Hagel right there to shove it home uh, on the right side of the net, so um, those are my takeaways uh, from the Nashville win, I'll talk about wins, not losses, so guys anything from that and then we can look ahead next few games first off johnny you and i have talked about guys getting into the slot getting into the dirty areas getting into those goal scoring positions brandon hagel almost reminds me a little bit of the way that dave boland played the game a guy that we've all really really liked and enjoyed and who's been on this show before but like not afraid to sacrifice the body plays a dirty style of hockey. I think that Dave Boland obviously has him on the defensive side, but th that goal that you are describing right there was a real Dave Boland goal to me, you know, get inside position, get into the slot. It wasn't a clean hit on the puck. I think if he had a clean hit on that puck, it probably goes into the goalies fucking, you know, left pad there. But that's where you have to be to be a beneficiary of that type of goal. Brandon Hagel is very important to this offense. And you look at his five on five numbers over the last few games compared to some of the rest of the team, he's going to the dirty areas. He's doing those things. And he has been the beneficiary of some of those, I guess, 
puck luck bounces or just being in the right place at the right time, but you have to put yourself in that position to get there. I think when we look at this past episode overall, Derek King's system of learning the players and letting them have that approach is only going to benefit those role guys that are further down the line in situations like that, because there's no expectation of where you're supposed to be. It's all based on where you think you should be. And I think that Brandon Hagel, if we look at him, is the guy that probably has a higher hockey IQ based on the fact that he just knows where to be. So that's what leads me hope. I think that when you look at the way that the Blackhawks have scored through this season so far, you know, it's it's it wouldn't be surprising for me to see Brandon Hagel in your top three, top four scorers at the end of the year. And I think that Kirby Doc is another guy when you look at it, because I've seen him go to those areas. If he provides a little more finish, those are the guys that I'm watching through this because I think that they can be a lot more prominent than even a guy that I really love in Dominic Kubelik, who may not be in the right spot all the time, but also has a, a, a wicked shot and we know just fucking crank it. I think that those are the guys, if you're getting to the dirty areas, if you're there to scrape up something, you're going to be successful with this Blackhawks offense. They know how to get pucks to the net. It's not about the, it's, they, they just don't know how to convert and they, they now have somebody in Hagel and that's, I know I'm focusing a lot on Hagel. He's a guy that can get in there and just do some damage. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, kind of takeaways from the game. I agree with Hagel going to the dirty areas. Uh, similar spot to Dave Boland's, you know, 17 second goal as well, just kind of out in front of the crease mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, just opposite side of the net. And it's funny because yeah. uh, Boland got the bounce off the post. Hagel got it off the end boards, but yep. same, same kind of deal when you're in the right area. Yeah. I didn't really think about it just because it was the other side of the net and it was a, you know, shot pass and whereas obviously Mm -hmm. the shot got on goal after a redirect in the 17 seconds one but that's a good comparison thanks for bringing that up yeah and i think then you know yeah on top of it i really love seeing seth jones have a much better game uh all over the board it wasn't just the assist and 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 seeing the vision three takeaways uh just i believe he had three hits as well in the game um, blocked a couple shots too. Like he was all over the place looking like a number one defenseman. And I think that's encouraging because now, you know, that contract that Johnny, I know gives you absolute heartburn every time you think about it, you know, it, it looks a little better now because he's playing like that number one guy yeah. as he should be, you know, yeah, when I, he's getting paid that much money. Mm-hmm. He needs to be that guy. So that's a huge takeaway. And obviously you'll love seeing two of your best playmakers in Kane and, and, and to bring it step up in OT like that to connect uh, for the GWG. Uh, for King's first win. So that's kind of my, my takeaways. I, I yeah. agree with everything Tony had to say about Hagel. I just wanted to add the little piece about Jones and then obviously the playmakers. Yeah. The- I, I'm glad. Thank you for bringing Jones up Ron, because I actually do have another point on him besides the beautiful, I already outlined uh, my view of that uh, shot pass for uh, the Hagel goal, the setup on that. But uh, beyond that in the first period, if you remember the Blackhawks had a power play and uh, it looked like they were about to like start getting something going. And then Jones had a couple of blunders, one right at the blue line where he couldn't keep one in where it was like, it wasn't like a far reach one. It was like, it was right there on a stick. 
and it just trickled out. Like he, it was just a miscue by him. Then he had another one too. Um, both on that one. It's like, okay, well, that kind of sucks. You went to Nashville had gotten off to the better start in that game. So I was like, damn it. Like, is this going to be more of me being upset about Seth Jones? And then no, I think this is a difference under King versus Kaladin. Whereas Seth Jones then is kind of like down in his feels after making a mistake like that under Jeremy Colladin in previous games this season, then it might lead to a full bad game. Letting that one issue linger on affect you. It's like a pitcher letting one bad inning affect you and, you know, yada, yada. Um, or say in baseball, you know, in the field, you make an error and you let it bring it to the plate with you. Seth Jones just wiped that after the first period. He said, screw this. I'm going to play a good game the rest of it. Like you just mentioned, Ron, you outlined it. Um, and I feel like that's a matter of Derek King letting the players play. Uh, Seth Jones do what he needed to do uh, to adjust it. And uh, he did so, and he was able to use his athleticism, use his uh, skill set, use his vision a little bit more uh, than what Jeremy Colladin's system would have dictated had he still been here. So um, those are my last takeaways from that game. Great to get a, another win under the belt. Hawks are now 2-9-2. and two. I know that record's terrible, but um, also we are kind of hitting the reset button here. They do have six points, so that uh, brings them, I believe, tied Canadian, so we're not last in the league. They'll be the Coyotes. Um, that's, you know, small, very, very, very silver linings here. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's just where things stand right now uh absences injuries uh you the aforementioned hagel who we talked a lot about uh he and mckenzie Entwistle both exited early from the game uh left shoulder for hagel left ankle for uh and whistle they, they were at kind of midway points of the third period um they did not practice today, but no update further than that. So uh, DeHaan was out for maintenance too. Tyler Johnson, Isaac Phillips in COVID protocol. Henrik Borgstrom is back from COVID protocol, has not played yet, probably still getting back up to speed. And then Wyatt Kalinuk, Caleb Jones uh, skating, haven't returned yet though. I would guess Kalinuk uh, would be first, whereas Jones had the longer timeline from the outset. So that's just where the injuries stand here. Um, as we look ahead to our next games, Ron will be there tomorrow night, Pittsburgh, 730 puck drop. NBC Sports Chicago is where that'll be. That's Tuesday, November 9th. And then the Friday night game to close out this homestand um, against the Arizona Coyotes, uh, kind of central division shit show fest um, going on there. But I will be in attendance for that one, Friday, November 12th, 730 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. So, Ron, what are you looking for when you go to the UC tomorrow night? Uh, I'm looking for good pace of play, Johnny. And I think, you know, that'll, that'll come from these guys playing loose, right? We, we saw that in the win over Nashville and hopefully they carry that over. Uh, this is a, still a very good Pittsburgh team, even though they're a little shorthanded due to some pretty significant injuries, but overall, you know, if they can get the job done and you pull out another win against a pretty respectable team, I have to feel pretty good as a Hawks fan. Maybe even if it's a, a shootout and they, they don't necessarily win, I would obviously like to see a win. But, you know, just, again, more progress, letting the, the big guns be the big guns and play like the big guns um, is going to be something refreshing. I'm hoping to see, you know, that Seth Jones that we saw, like you said, you know, better second and third period. I'm hoping to see a guy like Kane or, or Taves or even a Kirby Doc, a guy that I think we all want to see a little more out of. Uh, maybe he you know, benefits from being able to play a little looser. Uh, it's just going to, you know, seeing better play out of some of these guys that I think we're all sitting here and expecting a little more from. And uh, I, I think that's going to be a good way to go about it. But let's be honest, at the end of the day, a dub would be the most beautiful thing uh, that any of us can ask for on a Tuesday night against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Just keep winning. Just keep the king shit happening. 
Johnny, you said it earlier. This is this sounds so simplified compared to what Ron said. I want the victory beers edit to be shown a lot more than what we've had so far this season. Just just win hockey games. Let the guys play. Let them do what they need to do. Victory beers. Sounds simple. That's what I want to drink through the winter. I know they're not going to come every night. So be it. More frequency has, going forward. Yes, yeah. more frequency is all I'm looking for. Yeah. That's it. Plain totally, and simple. Yeah, totally with you. I just got one point, Ron. I think you brought up a lot of good things there. Uh, Kirby Doc, uh, this was not a product of Jeremy Colladin's system. Um, I don't know what it is, but just finish. He's got to finish. He's getting some good looks. I was right at my end. He had an excellent look. Uh, in the third period or earlier in that frame on Sunday night. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a recurring thing. There's been multiple opportunities, Tony and you and I have kind of uh, aired it out uh, in detail a little bit further um, on previous episodes and just uh, in person shooting the shit, but uh, he's just got to finish because that will elevate his game uh, to an even higher level. Uh, I know he's pretty damn good with position. He's pretty damn good uh, with chilling pucks, ringing pucks, uh, retrieving them, but um, you know, got to finish get the numbers because they don't ask how they ask how many. So <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at with this. So uh, yeah, like I mentioned that, that about wraps it up uh, here for the topics that we had discussed here on uh, season three, episode six of the four feathers podcast. That was Kaladin got canned slash King's day, King's day, King shit, Tony love it. Um, final parting words. And then we can get out of here and sign off boys. Just give me a win tomorrow while I'm in person. Uh, let's go Hawks. And uh, I can't wait to be back at the United Center for the first time this regular season. Um, since my first time there was the preseason loss to the Blues uh, that one Johnny Nani was so courteous allowing me to attend. So thank you, sir. But uh, a win tomorrow, and and I'm happy off to a, hopefully a one and no start in person at the UC in the regular season this year. Final thoughts: the Blackhawks right now have an opportunity to have the first winning streak of the season. That's all I'm looking forward to right now. I want more King shit. That's it. Done. Yeah, I love it. I think for me, biggest thing is weight is lifted. Uh, I think that was a dark cloud surrounding everyone, uh, players to fans to, uh, you know, people that work for the organization. So um, it was a good vibe atmosphere uh, felt, you know, just kind of more relaxed there on Sunday nights. Hopefully that translates into the on ice play. Like you said, Tony would be excellent. Get a winning streak uh, started here. Um, Hey, who knows? We go on a little run. Don't know if playoffs are uh, feasible. Uh, I think it's a long shot goal, but at the same time, uh, Crazier shit has happened. So uh, you get these guys going, playing, um, sometimes going momentum streaks. So start one of those of our own here. Get, get them feel good about themselves. That is all I've got for this. Thank you for tuning in, listeners. Make sure you're visiting ontapsportsnet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. That is where you can find our Blackhawks articles as well. And follow us on social media at Four Feathers Pod at ONTAP Sportsnet. Gentlemen, that's it. This episode is over. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.